Please listen carefully. Hello and welcome to the Film Revere Podcast, episode number 27. This week brought to you by Audible. I'm your host, Zach Hamilton. My guest for this week is actor and writer Lee Shorten. But first, a quick Film Revered update. As you may have noticed through the Revered Network's social media accounts, some exciting news was announced earlier last week. The Film Revere podcast is now available on Spotify. Merely search the Revered Network or Film Revered podcast and you will have access to all future and past episodes of the show on Spotify. Coming up next, I have a conversation with friend of the show, Lee Shorten. Leah is a talented actor and writer who has been involved in over 40 projects since the start in 2014. He is most known for his work as Sergeant Yoshida in The Man in the High Castle and as one of Crowley's demons in Supernatural. More recently, Lee will be starring in the upcoming short film Bucketheads, A Star Wars Story, his short film Gajook, and lastly, he will star alongside Dennis Quaid and Michael Ely in the psychological thriller The Intruder. So please stay tuned as we will now be taking a quick commercial break. All right, guys and gals, are you like me and want something more than music to listen to during your morning commute? Maybe you want to start reading more, but don't have the time to sit down and open a book. Well, for people on the go, there's Audible. Audible offers over 180,000 audiobooks to listen to on your iPhone, Android, Kindle, or MP3 player. This week, Audible is giving Film Revere podcast listeners a slam and deal. Go to audibletrial.com slash frpodcast for a free 30-day trial and more importantly, get a free audiobook. Once again, go to audibletrial.com slash frpodcast. That's audibletrial.com slash frpodcast. Thanks again to Audible for their support and thank you listeners. Now back to the show. Well, thanks so much for joining me on the podcast for the second time, Lee. Man, my pleasure. Thanks for having me back. Definitely. So on the show today, we're going to be discussing your upcoming short film, Bucketheads, A Star Wars Story, your feature film, The Intruder. And lastly, we'll be diving into your upcoming short film, Kajoke, in which you wrote and starred in. Now, I'd like to start by talking about Bucketheads, A Star Wars Story. And the yeah, film man. tells the story of a squad of stormtroopers who are transporting a POW with valuable information from Yavin. Four. However, getting off the planet will, in the end, test their metal. First off, how did you hear about this particular film, and what excited you most about the material? I knew Marco from back in the day. I think, I think I did like a student film or something for him, like way back when we were both oh, kind of wow. starting out. Um, and so he he called me up and just said, "Hey, we're, we're doing this this Star Wars film, and we got a little role, and, and we'd love for you to come out and do it if you're interested." And um, man, I'm a huge Star Wars nerd. So, uh, and, and I love I love Marco. He's he's a great guy. Um, so I, I basically just said yes without even looking at it because you know I, I'm also always down to help my friends. You know, whenever my friends call up and, and want me to come out and help, I'm, I'm usually down if scheduling permits. And uh, it was also interesting because you know, uh, ever since I was a kid, I, I'm always such like a fan of the bad guys. Not in real life, but you know. In, in, <laughs> Um, yeah, yeah, good, good distinction. And, <laughs> just in movies, just in movies. Let me just clarify. in movies. So I always wanted to play like you know an imperial, but they were like, "Hey, we want you to be the rebel," and I was like, "Ooh, 
that's that's I don't know if I can I don't know if I can do that, but then I said yes anyway. So <laughs> Well, it's interesting you say that too, because the way that this film and this is I think what intrigues me most about Bucketheads is that in a way being a rebel actually is kind of the villain of the piece because you're more aligned with the you know, the Imperials in this case, you know, like the Empire. Uh, because it's more about the stormtroopers, not so much, you know what I mean? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Which was which was kind of cool then when we read it and we talked about it and and we did see this uh you know, my character as kind of like more like an extremist on the rebel camps. Like he was more yeah. probably ruthless and fringe. So that was kind of cool too. So yeah, and in and touching on that, in the film you play the prisoner of war, uh General Ikari. How did you prepare for this role and what, if any, were some of the biggest challenges you had to overcome? Uh, you know, I, I just kind of, I didn't have a lot of time to prep, um, soften the way on like short films and that kind of things. But yeah. The, like I said, I, I'd been a huge Star Wars fan and, you know, not just the films, like the EU, like I'd read a bunch of the books, um, and you know, in the comics and stuff. So, uh, I didn't really have to prepare so much on that side. Um, and interestingly, I just read, um, the Inferno Squad novel, which is, you know, kind of the same premise as in like the Imperials are the good guys. I, I, have you read that? I have not. I, I, oh, it's right. on my list. It's on my Amazon wish list. I've actually been trying to pick it up. Um, anyway, so in that, they, uh, you should read it, by the way, they, uh, <laughs> they infiltrate um, this squad called the Dreamers, who are these rebels who are like extremists. So I was kind of in that headspace. But, you know, I was just trying to get into the mindset, you know, reading about uh, you know, terrorist organizations and, and kind of what what would lead you to a place where, where you thought that because you were such an underdog that the ends totally justified the means and that you would do anything, sacrifice anything, cross any line just with this idea that, you know, it had to be done, fire with fire, you know, you can't make a revolution in kid gloves, I think that's a Lenin quote, that, that kind of thing, so... Yeah, and and subsequently in researching all that, I'm sure you're on a couple watch lists now. So have fun traveling. Um, probably. <laughs> yeah, thanks. <laughs> you're like, I swear um, I'm an actor. I'm like, sure you are. I'm sure you are. Okay, yeah. you're not getting on the plane. Uh, you know, black bag straight away. Just <laughs> they're like, man, I keep getting pulled every single time when I go through security. I'm not sure if I'm on a list now or. Um, you know, but getting back to the film, something that really intrigued me is, you know, there's a lot of Star Wars uh, fan films out there. And I think that's something that George Lucas had always been, you know, privy to and always excited about and kind of encouraged uh, within the universe. And I think that's great. But something that sets Bucketheads apart is the fact that if you follow them on Instagram or their other social media campaigns or just look into Bucketheads, a Star Wars story, it's insane the level of detail they've gone into in covering the filmmaking process of this film and also just the overall look. I mean, I'm not sure if you've seen some of the promotion videos that have been released, but I mean, you feel like you're like looking at behind the scenes of a Star Wars film, not a fan film. Yeah, man. I mean, no, no disrespect to any of the other fan films out there because um, filmmaking is really hard. Um, but, but I think, yeah, we, we kind of benefited from, you know, Marco and Andy, you know, they're in the business. Like, like Andy's a cam op on once it was on once upon a time. You oh, know, dang. And, and Marco works on, uh, on the flash. So like, you know, they've, they've been around and, and they are like, like seasoned industry pros. Um, and uh, so I think, you know, it just adds a bit of a, they bring that, you know, wealth of knowledge and experience to the process and, and, and access to that kind of gear. So so it allows them to maybe step it a, a bit above, you know, the usual fan films. And some of those fan films look amazing too. I, honestly, no disrespect, and I'm not trying to take away from them, but I think this was just 
just a step up. Yeah, I mean, and speaking of another universe, there was a Harry Potter fan film, uh, I believe, about the origins of Voldemort that was so well done that people thought that it was an actual studio picture. And I believe it ended up getting the attention of the studio because they're like, oh, man, we need to do this because, like, this is phenomenal. Like, it was a feature-length film. It was insane. So I didn't hear about that. That's That sounds amazing. Yeah, I'll have to leave a link for the link dump. I, I can't, you know, off the top of my head remember what it was called, but it was really, really intriguing. I remember seeing it, and even I was fooled. And I, I, I see, I see a lot of fake trailers out there, and I'm like, well, this, <laughs> this actually looks pretty convincing. I don't know, man. I don't know. But um, getting back to Bucketheads, I'd love to know, talking about the professionalism of the crew as well as the cast, what was it like being on set during the filming of Bucketheads? Man, I, I always just love being on set. Any set. Um, what I particularly loved about this one is, um, you know, I, I play a lot of guys in suits who are, like, dressed really nice and are really composed and very, you know, like, kind of stoic and, and aloof. Um, so it was really nice to play this guy who's just, like, down and dirty and to, you know, get to set and just literally throw myself around, roll around in the dirt, <laughs> yeah. crawl on my hands and knees, like, get beat up and cuffed and... And uh, it was just so much fun to just be so dirty and, and raw for once. So that, that was a blast. Yeah, definitely. And, you know, something else I would love to kind of just give a shout out to, which, you know, the creators, uh, you know, have been great about this as well, is that you guys had worked with the local chapter of the 501st Legion, um, which, you know, are famous for their incredible detail within their costumes for stormtroopers. I mean, how what was it like when you first got on set and you see all these stormtroopers and all their varying details and different kind of costume versions of it? Like, what, it, uh, that had to have been pretty interesting. Dude, it was amazing. I mean, I, I always say, like, wardrobe, production design, makeup, uh, set deck, those people are the unsung heroes of the business, and they don't get enough credit. Like, as an actor, when you step onto set and you see the level of detail in those sets and costumes, it makes your job, like, 70% easier. Because I, like, I don't have to imagine anything. It feels like yeah. I'm there. And so seeing that the, the, the guys from the, the, the 501 was just... Yeah, their their work is incredible, and you know, holding some of their guns and and just like touching some of their armor. I, I, yeah, I really felt like I was on a Star Wars set. It was it was pretty mind blowing, man. And they're great guys, man. Like they do so much charity work. Um, it was really like just just humbling to hear their story. They're they're amazing. Yeah, and I, and I love the the concept, the juxtaposition between that. Right, you know, you have these guys that are dressed up as stormtroopers. Their whole lives are wrapped up in perfecting the best stormtrooper outfit. Yet they do all this charity work, which you wouldn't necessarily associate <laughs> with a stormtrooper. But right, it's like these stormtroopers rocking up to the hospital, and it's like they're the good guys. So, yeah, yeah. <laughs> you're like, am I in trouble? Let's go. Oh wait, this is good. Never mind. Okay. Um, you know, what was it like working with co-directors Andy Brown and, as you had said, your old friend Marco Bazo? Uh, it was really good. They're, they're really good guys. Um, they're, uh, they're, like, quite the dynamic duo. They have such, like, a different approach, but it's really good because, um, you know, it combines is such a nice thing. But they're super collaborative and super professional. Um, they know what they want, which is always good, and they're efficient. But at the same time, they're, you know, open to talking about ideas and, and playing, um, which you always like as an actor, right? Cause, um, yeah. You know, you never want to feel like a meat puppet, you know. It's like I've done all this research and I've got ideas too and sometimes they're good and sometimes they're bad and ultimately it's the director's decision. But it's always nice to have directors who, who are willing to kind of explore with you, which they are. So they're like – they're amazing guys. Definitely. And if you had to narrow it down, what were some of your favorite moments or experiences while shooting Bucketheads? Damn, that's tough, man, because the <laughs> whole the whole ride was pretty good. Um 
even just like when I was looking back at the BTS photos and the stills, it's like yeah. incredible. But when we uh, they had a bit of a a stunt where we blow something up. Um, that I don't, it's because I don't want to give too much away. No, no, and I totally understand that. But uh, like that, that was probably a highlight seeing that, or um, or some of the fight scenes. Where, that was pretty cool to 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 just think. I'm uh, I'm in the middle of a battle between rebels and imperials. That's um, <laughs> it's like a childhood fantasy, man. It was it was it was amazing. Definitely, I can't. Yeah, and I'm sure it was pretty much a treat when you see that on the screen and you see all the effects added in afterwards, and you're like, oh man, this is uh, this is dicey situation that I was in. So. Pretty cool. Dude, I, I haven't seen anything like finished, but I, I cannot <laughs> wait. I honestly cannot wait. Yeah, I mean, just seeing some of the promo footage, you're just like, my God, man, when this releases, it's going to be big. So um, so moving on to your upcoming feature film, The Intruder, which focuses on a young married couple who buy a beautiful house in Napa Valley, only to find out that the man they bought it from refused to let go of the property. Now, you play the character Brian in the film. What can you tell the listeners about your character? That was a cool movie. It was called Motivated Seller back when I did it. Um, oh, really? I guess they I guess they retitled it. Yeah. So uh, the main character is uh, is played by Michael Ely, who's this super great, really generous actor and amazing talent. Um, and so I play one of his coworkers and good friends, um, Brian, who's also like the IT guy at the office. So you know, Michael buys this house and uh, and he starts running to these problems. And he kind of comes to me to, you know, work my IT hacker magic to, you know, dig up some dirt and help him work out what's going on. Um, I don't know how much I can say without giving away. Yeah, no, and I totally understand that. Yeah, that's kind of the the weird gray area that we play in talking about future projects. But uh, maybe you could kind of shine a light on what the audition process was like for this film and how you heard about it. Uh, I got really lucky on that one too, actually. Um, I don't feel like it's luck anymore, Lee. I mean, if it's if you're getting it all the time, it's not so much lucky. I think it's just meant to be there. Uh, this is very generous, <laughs> but uh, it's definitely luck. But uh, the casting director for for that also casts Man in the High Castle, and so you know, Candace and Candace has been you know a, a super huge supporter of mine over the years, and um, they were kind of looking for someone, and, and she just pitched me and just said, hey, you know, take a look at this guy's demo and uh, let me know what you think because uh, he's super reliable and, and, and he can get the job done. So they looked at my demo and they were like, yeah, yeah, why not? And, and they just had me out. So luckily, the, the very rare one in a billion, I didn't even have to audition for that one. So that was nice. Oh, wow. That's even great. It was a straight to offer. Yeah, which is, yeah, yeah. I, you, you don't, it's, you know, it's rare. <laughs> yeah, definitely. Uh, you had mentioned working closely with Michael Ely and the fact that, that you play his character's friend in the uh, film. What was it like working with the rest of the cast as well as Michael? Uh, and what were some of your more memorable experiences in working on Motivated Seller or now, as it's known, The Intruder? Yeah, it was really good too, man. Um, most of my scenes are with Michael and then I have a scene with uh, Joey Sikora as well. And, and they were super friendly guys, just just amazing. Um, really just like old school grounded actors who just come to set to just like do the work. And, and I mean this like in, in a really, like that's what I like, you know, we're there to do a job and, and do it to the best of our ability, you know, no, no drama or anything. And, and they were just super nice and welcoming. Um, the, the really kind of interesting thing about that set was um, we get there to shoot one of these scenes and, um, you know, on paper it was about a page or whatever. And uh, I get there and Michael pulls me aside and he's like, listen, uh, this scene on paper, it's a bit whatever, it's not really working. So uh, you and I are just going to improv it. Um, we're just going to improv this scene. 
Um, and so, <laughs> that, yeah, that was like, um, it was fun and challenging, and it was just like, I, I think it's rare that you get to just go toe-to-toe um, with an actor of like Michael's caliber and just like really like hash it out in the moment. So um, that's something I'll never forget. Well, and also him putting his trust in you and that he knows you can pull that off because that's not exactly an easy task to ask of an actor, especially as last minute as that was. That's true. I never even thought about that, but um, I, I guess so. I guess yeah. so, yeah. <laughs> You're like, oh my gosh, this adds a whole nother level. Yes. <laughs> yeah, it kind of does. Now I should go and tell the story more. Um, <laughs> um, well, now it's time for the main event, and this is part of the reason why I really wanted to have you back on the show. I've been following your project, Good Joke, for quite a while now since it was announced and you guys are oh, starting. Thanks, yeah, you. and you know, I'm like, we're getting close. I know you guys are getting pretty, I think, if not at the end of production or very close to it. Um, uh, we're in the editing bay now, yeah. Oh, well, that's even better. Yeah, there you go. So this is really exciting for you, though, because not only do you star as the lead in this film, but you also wrote the screenplay. First off, what's the plot for Good Joke? Yeah, so it's about uh, a Korean-American adoptee, uh, and he's thinking about starting a family of his own with his, with his girlfriend. And they kind of comes across that maybe she wants to adopt. Um, but he's kind of resistant to that idea because he's adopted and, um, you know, he struggled a little bit with that. So then his partner goes and finds his biological mother. And then the film is kind of him wrestling with this idea of whether or not to go and meet her. Oh, wow. Yeah. You know, I'm curious, just, you know, what inspired the story of this film? Uh, so, so I'm a Korean adoptee as well. Um, yeah. Uh, and over the years I've been really fortunate enough to, to meet a bunch of different Korean adoptees and, you know, um, They've shared their stories with me and, and talked about their experiences, um, which have been really varied, you, you know, like the full the full spectrum. And, you know, some have dedicated their whole lives to finding their biological parents and, you know, some could care less. And, yeah. you know, so I, I really just wanted to kind of write a bit of a, a love letter to that community. So this film sort of I took bits and pieces from everyone's story and kind of tried to forge it into this one and, and just sort of, you know, pay pay my respects to the various individuals and, and the community as a whole. Wow. Yeah, well, that definitely adds a whole nother layer to the film in and of itself. And, you know, something else that I really want to talk about as well is the fact that, and this is how I actually first heard about this, was the fact that you helped in getting the film its funding by leading a campaign through StoryHive. You know, what was that whole process like? And what was going through your head when you received the news that Kajoke was actually going to receive funding? Oh, man, I was stoked because... You know, StoryHive are amazing. They've, they've been around for a while now, and, and they just keep getting bigger and bigger, and they're really about supporting emerging filmmakers. They're, they're so good, so generous. Um, but I, I've had so many friends go through the through the pr- process over the years, and it's tough. It's competitive. So I thought I would just throw my hat in the ring, but I, but I honestly didn't expect t- to get it because, you know, again, even this time, there was like a couple of hundred projects, and Many oh, of them wow. were my friends. Yeah, many of them my friends, and many of them were like amazing. So it's like, yeah, this, we're probably not going to get this, but we might as well try. Um, so my question, I guess, then is: so you mentioned there's a couple hundred other projects you're competing against. How many people do they select for funding, or is it literally just one? No, they do like they do twenty in BC and they do twenty in Alberta. Okay. Um, so you know, the, you've got like a one in maybe one in. I think in BC there was like about 200. So, you know, you got a decent chance, I guess. Yeah. But yeah. 
Well, that I mean, that's even better, though, because I mean, that's still a lot of people you're competing against. These are full, you know, ideas for films. And I'm sure they're varied in content and, you know, what they're act- like the production as well. I mean, this is more of a, you know, a drama, you know, versus like something could be like a sci fi epic you could be up against, too, which I guess is good that they pick more than just the one, because then it's not as much of a competition as far as genre. Yeah, and I think, you know, they do their best to kind of spread it across genres. Like, I know one of my friends is doing a documentary, and another one's doing, like, a super stylized Tarantino-style film, and someone else is doing a a comedy. So, yeah, I think they do their best to kind of pick a a spread, but, um, yeah, still very lucky, I think. Yeah, getting, you know, back to the film itself, I mean, is there a certain message that you hope that the audience is going to take away from it after they see this film? Um, that is a good question. Uh, <laughs> you know, I think it's it's about identity and it's about family. And it's about the importance of both, but maybe not in the way that you think. Okay. You know, it's just knowing your background, obviously, you know, it comes to mind. Was it hard or challenging at all for you? You know, obviously writing it, but then actually filming it, being a part of it, being the lead in the film. Was that challenging for you at all? Like kind of like seeing this story to fruition? Yeah, like it was a very eye opening experience because this is the first thing that I've really written and, and seen through. Um, and I got a shout out to, to everyone who was involved in in it because it was a very collaborative process again I mean you know I, I consulted a lot with my directors and producers and and you know one of the biggest points of pride on this project is we had a majority female cast and crew um, and a full female cine camera team which is oh wow unheard of. yeah yeah and uh, I'm really just listening to them and, and talking to them because uh, the main character's partner Steph is a huge part of the film too um, so it was important that um, I, I got everyone's you know, especially the the women in the product's point of view, to make sure that Steph was a fully realized character yeah. in her own right. Um, in terms of, it was tough, man, only because, look, I always feel pressure to to do a good job and 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 to um to do justice to the story and and the character. Like I I feel a lot of pressure all the time, but I think it was tenfold on this because I knew in my mind that it was um, as I said, it was like for my community or for the community. Yeah. So I was just like, if I you know, and a lot of these people, you know, in, in the crew and cast have come out as favors to me too. And it's like, I don't want to, I don't want to waste everyone's time and I don't want to let everyone down. So yeah, that was the extra level, you know, and not to kind of stay on this for too long, but you know, obviously from my understanding, you've been in a relationship for quite a long time with your partner as well. Did that hit a little close to home, this story? Not super. Like, um, it, it, it meant we talked about things we probably hadn't talked about yet. Um, yeah. <laughs> you know, yeah. like adoption and, and kids and, and whatever. But um, no, I'm, I'm really lucky. My partner is like so super chill and so supportive and just so amazing and wonderful. And um, so it's not like there was ever any like awkward moments or anything. So um, no, she's, she's great. Well, that's good to hear. So for the listeners, when will the film be released and will you be doing a festival circuit with the film? Uh, I hope so. <laughs> <laughs> uh, we're... Uh, I think it comes out September 7th. So um, Story Hive release all the projects on the same day. Uh, okay, gotcha. It's, a, it's around September 7th, but then, yeah, we're really hoping to do quite an extensive festival run. That, that's my hope for the film, for sure. Well, I mean, judging by from what I've seen with the promotion for it, for it, as well as seeing the Instagram photos you've been posting from behind the scenes, I think you guys got a really good shot at getting into quite a lot of festivals. 
Thanks, man. Got you. I should call you more often. You're like so supportive. <laughs> you're like you're like a life coach or something. <laughs> oh, there you go. Yeah. No, I mean, and the thing is, I, I feel like it puts me in an odd position. I feel maybe the audience thinks that like, oh, he's just saying that because, you know, he doesn't want his guests to look bad. But look, I'm not going to talk about something unless I'm passionate about it on the show. You know, like I'm never going to, you know, falsely say, oh, yeah, it's going to be great when I think it's going to be crap. Like if I say it's good, you know, that's that's me being real. Like I really do feel like it has a shot. So I appreciate that, man. Yeah, I appreciate that. And I, I would hope that if you thought it looked like trash, you would tell me, too, because <laughs> we wouldn't know. be talking about it. I'd be like, look, Lee, I want you on the show, but we cannot talk about this. This is terrible. Uh, fair. That's fair. <laughs> <laughs> you can like offline just tell me like, yeah. dude, that latest movie you're in is garbage. So, <laughs> I, yeah, I, I can't even vi- like vocally tell you how. No, it's uh, it looks <laughs> tremendous. Obviously, I don't want people to like tune in at the wrong time. And be like, oh man. Um, but uh, well, to close the show, Lee, is there any other projects or shows you'd like to tell the listeners about? Uh, yeah. So I I guess that on Van Helsing. Uh, this year so what that's yeah. awesome thank you um it was a lot of fun so that'll be out i think season three they haven't got an official release date but i'm guessing towards the end of the year so keep an eye out for that and then there is a pretty big voiceover like cartoon i did unfortunately i can't say anything more about it right now but um again i'm really excited to share about that one when i can so keep an eye out for that too definitely maybe we'll have to have a part three where you come back on once it releases i'm just saying yeah. I mean, I'd love to, so. <laughs> <laughs> we'll put that in the books now, you know. I'll, I'll make a note of that right now. So, um, Well, a huge thank you to Lee Shorten for joining me on the show today. Uh, be sure to follow Bucketheads and Kajoke on Instagram and Facebook for all updates. As always, links for these can be found in the episode's link dump. Lee, it's been a pleasure. Always, man. Thank you so much for having me. I always, I always enjoy our chats, dude, so. Definitely, likewise. Well, that's the end of episode 27 of the Film Revere podcast. Please show your support for the FR podcast by leaving a review on iTunes, Google Play Music, or wherever you happen to listen to the show. Be sure to follow the company's social media accounts on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram at Revered Network to get all updates first. Another great way to show your support is by getting a free audiobook and 30-day free trial from Audible by going to audibletrial.com slash frpodcast. Lastly, my guest for next week is actor Farhan Tahir. Farhan is known for his work in Star Trek, Iron Man, as well as his work in the hit television series 12 Monkeys. Thanks again for tuning in to another episode of the Film Revere Podcast. Have a great week.